0: MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's your own banking system.com. Welcome to the Cash Flow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host, Inside the Dojo, MC Laubshire. Hello Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lops here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at why wealth can't wait and how to build your life to have it all. My guest in this episode is David Osborne. After sticking out his thumb and traveling the world, David returned home to Austin, Texas, broke and unemployed at the age of 26. Though his travels may not have yielded wealth, they instilled the key motivation that he brings to every part of his life to create it, freedom. Because to have everything you've ever wanted takes the opportunity to design your life and believe it can happen. Through his intention, David began to test his entrepreneurial merits alongside his business partner, Mom, in the world of real estate. The results were nothing short of remarkable. In less than 10 years, David would go on to build one of the top real estate brokerages in the world, founding over 50 companies. Yet more than anything else, inherit inherent freedom derived from his success awards him the time to focus on the importance of what matters most, being a proud father of two beloved daughters, a son and a husband to the wonderful and talented Tracy Osborne. Today, still rooted in the boundless sense of adventure, David continues to travel the world, not only to be enlightened by new experiences, but to share his insight and expertise with others so that they too can truly be free
1: are you an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options discover real estate it's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth but the reality is real estate investing takes expertise market knowledge and time so what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing their secret they partner with proven private real estate investment funds Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call Four Peaks Capital Partners at 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision.
0: David, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, MC. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you and a very big fan of everything that that, that you've put out and the content that you've created and the books and sharing your story and your journey. Uh, for my listeners not familiar, can you give uh, just a, a quick background of uh, of, of your life and uh, yeah, tell them a little bit about yourself.
2: Sure, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I came from a military family, my dad was a soldier, my mom was a real estate agent after my dad retired and I was traveling all around the world continuously. I've been in over 70 countries, lived in England and Germany until I was 13, came back to America, found the promised land. There's so much opportunity in this country, it's unbelievable. Wasn't a great student, got kicked out of a couple high schools, mainly because I was dumb, not because not anything to be proud of or emulate. I just had a, a attitude and uh, but I was always a good worker, so I had a lawn mowing company. I made twenty thousand dollars living at home in in sometime in the eighties. I'm guessing today that would be the equivalent of earning forty or fifty thousand dollars while living at home um, and I was seventeen years old. I thought I was going to build a lawn mowing empire. My dad said, Marines. College or out of the house, so I said, "Okay, I'll choose college." Let me check those options. Yeah, college sounds good. So I went to college, worked my way through college. My dad paid for my school in in Austin, and uh, I paid for all my living expenses. And again, I still was a terrible student. I continued my stellar record through college, two point two GPA. Uh, I'm, I remember when I hired an assistant one time who had like a perfect grade point average and a master's degree in administration, and I used to always. Introduce her by saying, "I'm a two-three student or two-two student, and my assistant's a 4 0 But she works for me, and I used to think that was funny until one day she said to me, "Look, will you stop introducing me that way? I don't really like it." And I was like, "Of course." If I look at it from your side, it's not that that cool. Um, I've just been lucky enough in my career to be around great mentors and great leaders. Um, I got in business with Keller Williams in 1994 when there were less than a thousand agents in it. Today, there's 180,000. My mom was a top realtor there, very respected, uh, fell into real estate almost by default, by some you know, twist of fate. I ended up working for my mother. I was going to only be there temporarily while I looked for a real job. And uh, then I found I loved it. I thrived in it. The company was expanding rapidly, so I got to take a lot of opportunities. But I was very aggressive in seeking those opportunities out. Once I got into business, MC I became a massive student of life. Like today I think you'd be hard pressed to find many adults that put as much time into learning as I do, and I wish I could have taught myself this when I was 15 years old and just a, instead of being a rebel without a clue. But today I'm reading the books, I'm going to the seminars, I'm hanging out with the smart people, I'm seeking out the mentors, I'm listening to the podcasts I'm doing everything I can because what I've come to understand now that I didn't understand before is that the world around you is a direct reflection of what you know and what you put into practice. You have to have skills in the area of how to keep your health well, how to be a great husband, how to be a great father, how to run your business, how to do a million things and still keep balance and all of these and how to give away money and be a good spiritual person. So all of these things you can learn and so now today I'm obsessed with learning, I'm obsessed with personal growth, and uh, I'm one of the best students of life ever today. So that's kind of my overall philosophical background on a practical level. I own the, with a partner, I own the fourth largest residential real estate company in the U.S. We do about 35,000 transactions, about $10 billion in sales. And uh, then I have a private equity fund that buys single family homes called Magnify Capital, I have a adventure mastermind group called Go Abundance with 170 entrepreneurs in it who are seeking to grab life big and get the most out of life. We have accountability. We do adventure vacations. We do educational things. And then I also have the best-selling author of two books, and one of them is called uh, Wealth Can't Wait, and the other one just came out. It's called Miracle Morning, and Miracle Morning is uh, with Hal Elrod, who wrote the Miracle Morning, and we are having a blast.
0: I love how you tie it in with life, a student of life and studying life, because uh, it leads into your definition of wealth, which you put together in Wealth can Wait, a fantastic read. We recommend it to all of our listeners to grab a copy. David, what's your definition of wealth?
2: So wealth to me is everything. So the original meaning of the word wealth came from the Middle Ages, and people used to say, well, be with you or good wealth to you. It was like a greeting. And it didn't mean just money. It meant abundance in all areas, providence, prosperity. It meant all of these things wrapped into one. So to me, wealth, which is one letter removed from health, doesn't mean you're the the fat cat sitting on a giant pile of money. What it means is you're a guy that cares about having it all in life. Great relationships, great contribution, great businesses, great fatherhood, great husbandry or wifery, whatever you are. Like You're just getting it all. That's really to me what wealth means. It's not about the money. It's about the complete package. And, and it's possible. It's very possible, especially in the United States.
0: And it ties into the vision that you talk about and, and that guides you. And I love how you start the book too with making a choice and committing to it and then having that vision. What role does the vision play in all your decision-making? Um, and then also in your goals, which you guys are huge on goals uh, as you should be. And then also what I love about the, the environment that you create around you is also it's a it's a group that pushes each other and keeps each other accountable. How does vision play into all of those areas of putting it together every day?
2: Well, look, if you don't know where you're going, you get what you get. And you don't throw a fit like you can choose to be a wandering generality in life and not know where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, then it doesn't really matter what you're going to get what you get, you know. If, on the other hand, you have a clear vision for your life, then you can put all your efforts and energies towards getting what you want. And that's the vision is where it all starts. In fact, if I were saying the number one skill an entrepreneur needs to have is a clearly defined vision of where they're going with their life. So once you have that vision, then you can build all these systems and structures around you to drive you towards that vision. But without the vision, you got nothing. So your vision could be to build the next Facebook, or it could be to build the fastest race car. It could be to build a giant real estate company. Um, but you have to have that clearly defined vision. And and you've got to update and change that vision on a continuous basis. And if you'll start there with that big picture someday goal, that few vision of where you want to go, which by the way, isn't set in stone. People get like freaked out. You mean like, I've got to decide where I want to go today. No, no, no. You have to You have to design, you have to decide where you want to go today right now but in, in two or three years, if your whole vision changes, that's okay too. It's not like you're locked in for all time to building the fastest race car and then one day you realize you hate the sound of cars, you gotta go do something different. The key is to develop the habit of developing a compelling vision that's so exciting that you can't wait to get up every day and chase down that vision. And if you have that, if that if you have that skill, then you're not distracted by politics or sports or TV shows or all this other stuff that's out there designed to suck your life away from you because you're so excited about what you're up to that you're going to pour your life energy into that. Once you've got that vision, you can then break it down to the day to day activities, the annual activities, the monthly activities, the weekly activities, and the daily activities that take you one step every day towards your goal.
0: You uh, are an absolute productivity and execution, uh, execution ninja and really focusing on a lot of the outcomes, ex- uh, just not the output. What are some of the advice that you could give to f- uh, folks because um, <laughs> some listeners' heads might be spinning just listing everything that you're involved with in your companies um, of, how, of how you put it all together and how you maximize time, focusing on the things that's important and pu- keeping on pushing you towards your vision? So the journey of a thousand miles begins with a
2: single step, you know, everyone's heard that saying, I think it's Chinese or something or from somewhere over there in the East. But the idea is this, like, and I remember when I first heard it and I knew I was at the beginning of my career and I was always like, oh my gosh, I'm just taking my first steps. Now I'm way later in my career and I've taken a bunch of steps, maybe not all thousand, but probably 872, right? So I'm way down the road. So your listeners certainly shouldn't listen to me and compare it you know, comparing is a bad idea anyway, but compare it to where you necessarily are today. I've been doing this for a long time at a pretty high level for 24, 25, 26 years now. When I learned the power of goal setting and this importance of creating the vision, then breaking it down to goals for the year and then go action steps for the now, I, I, I learned it. Like, it's pretty simple. Okay. I have a big vision. Then I go, what what have I got to do this year to get this vision on track? Okay. What do I got to do this month to get this yearly goal on track? So what do I got to do this week? What do I got to do today? Right? That's not that hard to grasp. I was terrible at it. I would write down a vision and then I would put it away and I wouldn't even look at it for nine months. I would write down some goals. I'd forget about them and I'd not do them. You know, I would, I would just, I would just fall off my horse continuously in terms of driving towards my goal, but I never quit. And the the thing you alluded to earlier that I found that was the next step for me was getting some people around me that were also accountability-based people, people that wanted to make a difference in the world. So I got two, partner, two two peer partners, the first one in 1997, which is 21 years ago now, and the second one around 2004. And a lot of other people tried to be our peer partners along the way, but just fell by the wayside because they weren't willing to love, have that level of accountability. But my first guy, Pat Hyben, He and I just got into lockstep with holding each other accountable to the goals. That way, if I fell off, let's say I had one of those three-month periods where I was off. Normally, before Pat, I was just on my own. I had to grab the reins of the horse, find him in the dark, find him where I left him, grab him, get on that horse, and start riding again. Once I had a peer partner, a guy that cared about me enough to hold me accountable, a guy that I cared enough to hold accountable – A week or ten days go might go by, and Pat is like that sonar pinging in the darkness, like that submarine, like ping. Hey, dude, are you just going to be like everyone else that walks the walk but doesn't, or talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk? Like he'd send me a little email, lob it over the bow of my fortress or my life or into the mid, and I'd be like, oh crap, yeah, thanks. (laughs) You know, first off, it stings a little bit because he's giving me a little kick in the butt, but more importantly. It's a reminder. Yes, I said I wanted to live this big life. Yes, I said I wanted to hit all these goals. And I'm off track right now, and I'd forgotten because life's so busy. And here Pat is reminding me, not too pleasantly sometimes, but reminding me what I said I was going to do. They always say a coach is a person who makes you do what you don't want to do so you can become who you do want to become. And, and that's what Pat was for me. And I tried to be the same thing, but the beautiful thing about the law of reciprocation was that if he was off track and I didn't hear from him for 10 days, because we used to email each other every workday on what we'd done that day. And if we would hit our goals for the week, so I got to do the same thing. I got to lob a grenade right back and be like, Hey, you know, are you going to walk the walk or just talk the talk? I mean, what's it going to be, buddy? Are you just going to be lame? Or are you going to be a producer? So I got to kick back and and it became this mutually uh, beneficial, uh, free coaching to one another, and not necessarily coaching on what to do, but coaching coaching on go do what you said you were going to do, much more of that. So that kind of began to change my life. That's what led to the birth of Go GoBundance. Um, and that's where Tim came along down the road. So when Pat and I first started competing, we were competing on the number of hours we worked. Like literally, we would email each other, I did 14 hours today. He'd say, I did 16 hours today. I mean, imagine how crazy that is, but it's kind of where you start off. Like It's not bad in your 20s and early 30s to be working that many hours, and we were. Pat would always beat me, by the way. He worked more hours than me. But as we got smarter, we learned a concept called dollar productive hours. And a dollar productive hours is actually the hours of the day that you make money, like the real powerful hours. For me, back then, it was recruitment recruiting. I was building a real estate company. So being face-to-face with a potential agent that could join my company, that was a dollar productive hour. Um, Being face-to-face with a leader that could join my company was a dollar productive hour. Today, it includes deals. So like looking at deals is dollar productive for me and creating vision. Those are the three things that I find are the most valuable to my career and my life right now. Recruiting talent still, but now more managers and people to go do the recruiting for me or to build different businesses recruiting opportunities, because one of my goals is to help everyone around me get wealthy. And the more deal flow I have, the more opportunity I have to help people win. And then creating a vision, which is, I should have said that first, it's the most important. So that skill set of constantly asking yourself, am I headed in the right direction? Am I going where I want to go? So then Tim came along. So we, we changed it to dollar productive hours. Then Tim came along and taught us the benefit. He was kind of retired in the woods And he was in great physical shape. We were both a little bit out of shape. He was having adventures every day, riding his mountain biking, skiing 80 days a year. And he brought us to this concept of like having it all, right? So now we're, Pat and I are probably four, eight years into our accountability relationship. Tim comes along and as time goes by, we start competing on the number of days we take off. So we flipped our entire script from hours worked, you know, (laughs) to almost like a, 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 a mentality of a surf. Then to like dollar productive hours, like what's the most productive thing we can do? So then the mentality of like a manager or a performer. And then all of a sudden to, you know, the number of days we took off, like the mindset of of really a capitalist or a person that's financially free.
0: You're listening to David Osborne on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Life Settlement Investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar, presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of your life in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything that you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies, and includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You'll learn how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. You're listening to David Osborne on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and our back to our interview. And what's not aligned, as you, mean, as, as you mentioned, the dollar productive hours you outsource. Now, uh, you just did a book with Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning Millionaires What the Wealthy Do Before 8 a.m. That'll Make You Rich. Uh, David, what, what are some of the things that the wealthy do before 8 a.m.? So, one of the things Hal teaches that I love
2: is to get up early and do the savers. And the savers can be an hour. Or it could be six minutes. It could be, but the savers are silence in the morning, like prayer, whatever it is, meditation, affirmations, like today's gonna be a great day. I'm gonna be polite to all the people I meet. I'm gonna knock it out of the park with my staff meeting. Visualization, where you close your eyes and you see yourself kind of going through the day. And if you have a power meeting that day, something very important, maybe I'm like sometime next week, I'm meeting with a guy that I'm hoping I can fold his entire company into mine. Right? That's on Thursday. So if it was that morning, I would close my eyes. I would see myself sitting down with a guy, connecting with him, uh, being having integrity, being forthright. You know, finding chemistry and finding a way to get the deal done, or finding out if it's not the right deal. Either way, a yes or a no. And and I would visualize myself doing that. I visualize myself being a great dad. I visualize myself hugging every member of my family. And so that's the visualization. E is for exercise, and what Hal says is even if you just did jumping jacks for five or ten minutes, that's something. Um, I'm pretty good at exercise, so it's not like I don't usually do it first thing in the morning. I do it when I do it. And then reading and scribing, reading something inspirational, reading something for even if it's only for five or ten minutes, that's, that's... gets you in the right frame of mind for the day, and then silence, uh, then scribing, which is journaling. So I'm a big journaler. So for me, and then how I take that to the wealthy, that's the miracle morning, but how I take that to miracle morning for millionaires is we take those six things and we apply it to your plan for building wealth. So when you're doing your visualization, visualize, visualize yourself on track for this vision, this giant vision you have. When you're doing your affirmations, make sure they're tied into your business. When you're doing your reading, reading, read your goals. We have I have a killer goal template. I set about 80 goals a year, and I give it away free to all your listeners if they want to go to thegoaltemplate.com, thegoaltemplate.com. And if you go there, you can download this two-page PDF, and it's literally just the, the template I use to craft my goals in the eight gardens of life, which includes physical, relationship, spiritual, environment, tribe. Uh, business, financial, material goals, all of that stuff, right? So I encourage people with the book to read, to fill that out and then read it on, a, on a, at least a weekly basis, at least 50 times a year. And we talk about the power of that and the power of vision. You know, one of the things we put in the book, which people seem to like, MC, is that the, the wealth is a choice. Imagine this you're in a game show. And the guy says, okay, you're gonna get a million bucks. You've just gotta choose door number one, door number two. And in your head, you're thinking, that's awesome. I got a 50 50 chance of being a millionaire. But then he says, and by the way, the money's behind door number one. And in our mindset, that really is how it is to build wealth. You've just gotta choose it. You gotta choose it, not wish for it, not want it, not hope for it. Choose it. Now, if you chose to be healthy, what would happen? Well, pretty soon you'd read books on health. You'd learn that you should eat a lot of vegetables and a little bit of fruit and, and not too many of the carbs. You should walk around the outside of the store, eat some meat, but not too much. You would learn to not eat too much sugar, drink a lot of water, not drink too much alcohol, if at all. So you'd learn all these things, and you would start a, and then if you applied them, you would start becoming more healthy. Like there's no way that you can't learn how to be healthy and follow through with that. You may not choose to. But there's no way you can't do it if you choose to. And the same is true of wealth. If you choose to be wealthy, you're going to learn to save 10% of your income before doing anything else. Make sure you invest it wisely. Uh, Make sure you increase your value to the marketplace. So we really think that being wealthy is simply a choice. The choice requires that you consciously approach your life and don't unconsciously approach it. And I think 90% of people, sadly, just live a life of unconscious flow where they just do whatever comes next. They don't really think about it. They don't have a plan. They don't have a vision. And if you do all that, you, that's okay, but you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. You can't, you can't live that unconscious life and then be jealous because you don't have money. Well, you can and people do, but if you're not applying yourself daily to getting to that outcome, uh, then you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So we put a lot of things like that in the book and we just used the Miracle Morning routine and we guided it towards building wealth.
0: And what we do every day becomes uh, becomes habitual. And you talk about it in uh, Wealth Can Wait, really, too, about these habits that build wealth. What are some of the, the top habits that you use uh, and have used on your journey to build wealth? So, one of the
2: things, you, you, you know, if you want to be wealthy, you can't have wealth without having assets, right? So you got to have a billion. If you're on the Forbes billionaire list, you got to have a billion dollars worth of assets. People get confused about this. Just because you're a doctor making $350,000 a year or a real estate agent making $500,000 a year, you're not wealthy. You just got a good income. Now, athletes all the time, you experience this all the time, right? Sports guys go out, they get these huge contracts, they, they retire and they're broke you know, within like five or 10 years of being out, like I think Beyond Borg might have been broke. I know Vince Young, one of my heroes, was broke. I mean, there's just so many people that just blow all their money, right? Why is that? Because they don't have a mindset of wealth. They don't understand that to be wealthy, you have to add assets. So, what I try to encourage people to do, and one of the habits I've done for a lifetime, is I've looked for assets, looked at deals on a regular basis. And people always say, well, why would I look at the deals? I don't have any money. And the reason is because if you're looking at deals now, when you have some money, you'll be prepared to do the deals. It's not like suddenly you've got a million bucks. You're like, okay, here, give me a deal. Okay, I'll do that one. If you get a million bucks and you do the first deal you do, you're probably like 90% likely to lose money. But if instead you've been looking at deals your entire career and to- honing your skills at looking at deals, then you will be prepared when the deals come. So my belief is you should look at 100 deals a year, analyze. I mean, if you're looking at real estate deals, you should probably do 100 every quarter. But let's just say 100 deals a year. I don't care what they are. If you have all kinds of interests, it could be a software company, it could be a real estate deal, it could be. I don't know, a water deal. But at the end of the day, you've got to be looking at deals so you can start learning to understand what it is you're looking for in a deal. Um, So one of the habits I have is not only to look at a lot of deals, but also to attract deal flows. Whenever I talk in front of a group of real estate people, I'm always like, by the way, I'm a buyer. I buy a lot of stuff. Send me all your deals. You know, out of 100 people, usually two or three guys will send me a deal. And and usually most of them are crappy. If I get if I get twenty deals, eighteen of them are usually bad. But one or two of them are good. And if I find a good one, I buy from that person. And then I develop a relationship. Now I've got a source of deals. So our team we probably look at close to a thousand deals a year right now. And that way we can filter through them all and choose the best one. And what I look at MC is like I look at every dollar as ten cents a year. So another habit I have in mindset around wealth is to look at every dollar as 10 cents a year. Don't look at it as a dollar. Look at $100 as $10 a year. Look at $1,000 as $100 a year. And if you look at it that way, what you're trying to do is convert cash into cash flow. And so I have that mindset. So when I'm analyzing these deals, now I have a set of parameters that I'm looking at um, to sort of you know, get to my outcome. And the trouble is most people, a lot of people, they look for the home runs, right? So they're going to invest in that startup software company. They're going to invest in a new app that's going to do dating for... I don't know, accountants or something like that, right? right? And they fail and they lose all their money. And, and, and that's because those deals are like one in a hundred, maybe one in 10 breaks even and one in a hundred actually makes any serious money. What I love about real estate is probably if you're relatively prudent with your real estate deals, probably nine out of 10 make money, uh, maybe eight out of 10, right? So, so you're just not gonna get a five or a 10X on them, at least not overnight. You might over 50 years or 30 years but I love people taking their money parking and parking in real estate. And I was working with some athletes one time and I thought, man, these guys get a $5 million bonus. What if they took that $5 million and put it all in real estate and generated a half a million dollars a of year of income? And then they did that the next three years. Maybe they get paid 2 million, then 3 million. Then all of a sudden they're retiring and they have a million a year in income. Now I realize 10%, you can argue whether that's too high right now, too low right now. It's just a rule of thumb. By the way, if you hit 7% on all your numbers, free cash flow with some appreciation behind it, that's great. And if you occasionally hit twelve to fourteen percent, that's great too. But if all these athletes did that, not a single one of them would be broke. Now, what I learned is I worked with athletes. Is the problem with athletes? They think it's going to go on forever. They don't have. They have a mindset that's super confident, super self reliant, and they just don't listen. And that's okay. I mean, some do, I'm sure, but most don't. And they don't. They think they're just going to make that three million dollar contract every year, so they don't have to worry about it. So it's really almost not worth working with athletes or some of them from that perspective. Some of them are very bright and capable, and some aren't. But at the end of the day. Um, for you personally, you should adopt that mindset, that habit. Look at deals, look at my income, and try to convert my income into cash flow. Because your goal in life is to go from an earner, a person that works, a worker, to a capitalist. Take away the political ramifications of whatever that means to you. Just understand that when you have capital, when you have assets, when you have money, And then you invest that asset, those money, or you own an asset and then it pays you cash flow and you can live off the cash flow. You can reach a point of time in life where you no longer have to work. You live off assets, you live off cash flow instead of living off your income. And then when that happens, you can keep working or you can stop working, you can decide. And that's what I try to lead everyone towards through all of our books. And I've seen it happen a bunch of times. I've seen it to people that didn't finish high school. In fact, sometimes it's easier to get there when you didn't get a super advanced degree because super advanced degree people are kind of like those athletes. They're so smart, they're stupid. And I don't mean that against people that have advanced degrees. My father had a PhD. I know a lot of incredibly smart people that make it that do really well that have advanced degrees. But my point is it's not about the education you have. It's not about it's not about the advantage or disadvantage you have. What it is, is about getting the right mindset. And if you develop that right mindset, you can be like my good buddy Tim, who never went to college. And lives in the mountains and skis 80 days a year and mountain bikes all the time and lives off passive income. Hasn't had to work in 15 years because he did smart things with his money, even though he may not be a PhD in life.
0: Absolutely. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying? What new skill sets are you learning? Man,
2: that is such a great question. So I I have started a private equity fund and that's new to me and it's a stretch. Um, you know, When I'm in real estate, I'm certainly kind of like a, above average of the average real estate agent, probably not the smartest guy in the room but definitely above average. Once I got into private equity, I realized I was pretty much the dumbest guy in the room. So, every time I meet with all these private equity guys, I'm like, oh, these guys are really smart. So, I am spending a lot of time learning about private equity right now and I've got a couple books on that subject. There was a guy, and we're a single family fund, so it's still real estate. I'm not trying to invest in software companies. I'm not trying to you know, pick oil and gas fields or anything crazy like that. I'm just sticking with my knitting, which is real estate. But there's a guy that wrote a book called Whatever It Takes. Um, I don't think that many books have sold for, for that yet, but he, he took a company from zero to 9,000 single family homes, turned it into a REIT, and then merged with American Homes for rent. So for me, that's like right in my wheelhouse, right in the place I want to read. Um, I'm also reading the go-giver influencer right now, just I I read multiple books at the same time. Um, I'm trying to uh, always be a better father and a better husband. So I read quite a few books on relationship. I got one by my bed right now that I can't remember the name of that I read a few pages every night, uh, Redirecting Children's Behavior. Um, So it's like, and really they they said they named it that because they couldn't call it Redirecting Parents Behavior because no one would buy it. And it's really (laughs) about the parent changing the way they approach their kids, not the kids changing and so, you know, all these things, I'm, I'm heavily into keto now. I don't know if you've heard of the keto diet MC, but I got yeah. into that about two months ago. My wife's lost 10 pounds. looks looks as gorgeous as she ever did, but even more gorgeous. Um, I've lost, uh, I've actually put on weights. I've been lifting weights and following the diet in a different way, but um, I've lost 3% body fat. So I'm back down to like 15 ish. I'd kind of, I'd gotten too high for me. I'd let things go a little bit. So you know, uh, yeah, the life of the life of abundance is a life of learning. In fact, life's only thrilling and fun when you're learning. It's like you should try to remain as a kid. Kids learn all the time. Like my son, of course, I have a 2-year-old, I'm trying to teach him sports, he's learning to bounce the ball and all these different things and he he kind of loves it till he does, you know, he's into it and then he yeah. gets bored and does something different and that's what we should all be like as as people as adults. You shouldn't lose that childlike wonder for learning because that's where all the fun is. So there's a million things I'm learning at all times.
0: I love it that you just said that because I I had that exact conversation with my wife um, last night where uh, it just excite me excites me so much because my son uh, he, you know he's he's about fifteen months right now and uh, it's just to see everything through his eyes he's just sucking it in and taking it in and looking and curious and trying new things and and then i looked at him and i and i and actually my comment to my wife was what happened to us what happened yeah. to, to most people right right, right like this right. is how we come out into life with that energy and curiosity and and just trying to discover and then we become so so docile um now, David, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
2: I start off with ABH. Like I'm, I, took, I have a shirt I had made called ABHWI. And ABH stands for A, always B, B, H, hustling. And then WI stands for with integrity. Like my viewpoint of the world is you, and I was a smaller kid. I wasn't a track star. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't the worst athlete, but I certainly wasn't a star on any of the teams I played in high school. But I always had an engine. Like I had a hustle. I might be the smaller kid. I might I might get out, but just run and you know dive for the base, even though it's obvious that I was going to be out and it was a stupid thing to do. But always be hustling. Always just push yourself to figure out how you can add value to people's lives. And then with integrity, And it's a shame that you got to bring that up. But the second one for me is integrity. Like I love to move towards integrity, be as strong in in integrity as I possibly can. Nobody is perfect in that area. Everyone falls short, but your goal is to be, if you imagine two circles and one is what you say and one is what you do. And if you say this and do that, and it's a million miles apart, right? You're out of integrity. That's, that's, that's you can't get anything done if you're out of integrity. It's like building a house on sand. It's just going to collapse at the first major storm. And then you want to try to move those circles to where they overlap and everyone has some kind of overlap, right? And so if the overlap is 50%, then 50% of what you say is what you do and the other 50% is just made up. But really you're trying to move those two circles so they overlap as much as humanly possible. Like I said, everyone falls short. No one's going to be perfect. Everyone says, I'm going to go to the gym today and they don't go once. Like that's normal. But what you want to do is try to overlap that, what you say and, with what you do. And when you do that, you become a powerful person and your word becomes sort of true. And, and when you say something's going to happen, everyone knows it's going to happen. So, so people start relying on you and your world gets bigger and stronger. So I work very hard on that with me being a man of integrity. Again, I want to be clear, falling short and failing and, and you know, making mistakes is all part of this deal. It's not like we're born perfect. Um, but, but being conscious and aware of the fact that the more you keep your word, not for other people, not so anyone will pat you on your head, but just so that you can be a a strong person in the world that gets things done and that people can count on and believe in. So I would say always be hustling, trying to find a way to add value, be a person of integrity, which is a developed thing. By the way, kids, kids don't necessarily have the highest integrity. Wait till you ask your kid, did you eat that cookie? And they go, yeah, no, no, I didn't eat that cookie. And you know, darn well that he, or were you watching electronics? No, I wasn't watching electronics. Like that they're not you're not born with integrity. It's something you have to, you know, hopefully your parents train some of it into you, your school trains some of it, your community, your church, but ultimately as you become an adult, you got to take a hold of that and try to become that person of integrity. Um and then the last thing I would say is awareness. I really think your awareness is 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 your connection to divinity. So what I mean by that is You've got an incredible brain and awareness. We talked about our kids just now. My two-year-old, I can just see his alertness. Like he's like, what's going on here? What are they doing with that? Where are they putting those chocolates? What's, what can I play with next? Like he's got this awareness. It's really sharp, you know, and kids are usually like pretty aware if you watch them from an instinctive point of view. You've got an awareness too. Don't let it go to sleep. Don't let it go to a trance. Like use your awareness to say, okay, how could I be better at my job? How could I be, how could I start a business to serve more people? How could I be a better father how can i be a better husband what am i seeing out there what did that guy just do that made his wife laugh so deeply what did what did what did that guy do to make himself look like that guy he looks great or that lady she's ripped like she's incredible physical shape what is she doing that i could emulate from use your awareness to be your divinity to be your connection to the outside world tune into it and then take what's out there there's such an abundance of wisdom knowledge people examples mentors opportunities Take those little bits and pieces and then bring them into your vision for your life. Bring them down to your goals on a daily basis and then take action and live a big life. So that's the three things I would leave behind would be uh, uh, always be hustling, have integrity and be super
0: aware. So powerful. Thank you for sharing, David. David, where can my listeners follow you? Where can they learn more about everything that you're up to? And also where can they grab copies of your books?
2: So the Miracle Morning Millionaires is on Amazon, as is Wealth Can't Wait. If they want that free copy of the goal template, just go to thegoaltemplate.com and we'll give it to you for free. I can be reached at davidosborn.com, last name, O-S-B-O-R-N, just davidosborn.com. And, you know, that's it, man. We'll see you out in the universe, everybody.
0: Fantastic, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners this has been a blast connecting
1: are you having a hard time finding great investment properties unfortunately the best deals are rarely found locally successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets norada real estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the united states our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com.
0: Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May, 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.